This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warhol Man Cave. And uh, got my good buddy here, wonderful Wednesday, Ted Yoho. Glad to be here, man. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And he's he's as comfortable as ever, and uh, we'll have a good show today. I want to uh, hope that you all had a great holiday. We took a couple of days off yeah. here and um, cleared our head a little bit, and uh, now it's fuzzier than ever. So that's what we get. But uh, we'll certainly take your chat line comments today and run with them if you have something you want to talk to us about, and as well as people ask me. What's in the man cave? Well, what else would be in the man cave? But guns, gun safes, trophy, manly trophies from heroic right. combatty battle, and uh, pinups, of course. Boy, I don't. I mean, I don't know how many. I don't know how many things I just violated here, but I'm guilty of all of them, right? But that's what a man cave is about. Ah, pinups, guns, uh, trophies. Uh, we'll leave it at that for right now. Got to have all that stuff. Got to have it all, brother. And there's nothing wrong with that, huh? You probably took down your Bud Bud Light uh, sign in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And caliber coffee. Don't forget uh, caliber coffee. That once in a while, I'm having a cup of caliber coffee, and yeah. uh, and Ted has a cup, and you can get ammo there too. But you know, Shoot GTR, of course, is one of our sponsors, so uh, they're a full service range. Well, and of course, we're in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Fighting Florida Gator. And of course, we great have people. They're great protection people. From crime prevention. Uh, yeah, they're, they're great people too. Great people. So we're local. We want you to help out local, uh, help the people who help us on the spot cleaners. Great place. Started it from scratch. These business people that we've got started, most of them started from scratch and are living what you should be able to do if you roll up your sleeves in America. Well, Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Okay. And it, it, the other thing about them, Ted, is they're not intimidated by failure. Uh, no. One of the very successful businesses here uh, tried a couple other businesses and they didn't do well. Right. But they kept going. They kept, they kept getting back on it. Because they were well-trained, smart people who uh, just knew how to put – and have a team. They were able to put together a team. Yeah. Business grew. So More importantly, uh, they had a dream. You know, it goes right. dream, struggle, victory. Unlike Obama, who said, you didn't build your business. Your success is not due to you. It's because of the government. And that's – you know, it's so defining of the Democrats, especially the liberal progressives today. The government – is everything. It, it, that's what gives you your success. No, it's not. 
It's the freedom and liberties that the Constitution guarantees that gives us our success, and the Constitution provides opportunity. And, you know, you and I both know several business people, including ourselves, that we went through those struggles, and we're living the American dream, and it's available for anybody, anybody, if you put in, like you said, the effort and uh, do the right things. And uh, character, too. Knowing how to get along with people, um, just how to network, how to teamwork. I know from building employees in your business, uh, that's all important. So a lot of people miss that. They don't, they, they want to. They sure do. They thought of, they want to throw the gauntlet down for everything, and that ain't gonna work. Yeah. Only on the Ward Scott files do we jump on you and try to straighten you out. That's our business, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you do you, a good job. You were asking me about uh, the Wall Street Journal today, and right on the front page, Ted, is something that just irks me no end. And oh, Biden has tried this several times. He doesn't <laughs> quit. And it is return of student loan bills. And now it's kicked back to where it should be, as I understand it. I can't keep up with it. But now the students have got to pay their bills back. But now there are sorts of glitches and red tape. And uh, understandably so, if you whiplash these people over these things, imagine the bureaucracy in D.C., trying to keep up with this. But this is one of these things that O'Biden has been doing regularly, buying votes. Um, you know, we've got the border on your list. There is supposedly right now a huge caravan coming here. Oh, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say about it. I have no... I, I don't, well, you know, you, you talked about Biden with the student loans. They just keep hammering on these illegal things that they keep doing. Same with the border, same with these uh, caravans that are coming in. These caravans aren't spontaneous. They're very well organized. They're funded by NGOs that get a lot of their funding from the U.S. government or the U.S. taxpayers uh, is where it really comes from. And they're bringing them in. And uh, you got to ask yourself, does this make America stronger? Does paying off somebody's student loans that takes a loan voluntarily uh, to go to, to get a better education? And the whole reason you do that is to better your lot in life or your opportunities uh, and you do it voluntarily. Uh, it's just not the role of the government to go there and pay those off. So by doing each other, you got to ask, is it making America stronger for future generations? And I think the latter is the correct answer because there's no good outcome of this. And it's not the only venture he's doing this with. Um, you know, as I say, he's no. doing with the, the border is a big one. Um, your old nemesis there in the uh, halls of the hallowed halls of Congress, AOC, and uh, don't let me bring that up. Which one? <laughs> um, she stepped in it again, uh, Ted. Are you there? I think I lost you. Let me see if I can get him back. He's in his truck. I lost you there. For yeah, are you back? there? Yeah. yeah, I'm here. Yeah, she has stepped in it again, Ted, and that um, she is championing the cause of Hamas relentlessly, unforgivingly, and it's not going over well with 
although it seems she is having some effect on Biden. Um, yeah. Compromised him some. I can't imagine well, that somebody like her could compromise anybody. But I can't either. But, you know, when you have the help of the media, the press, the liberal progressives, TikTok, the Chinese government, you know, because they're all working to bring down America as she is and her, her group. You know, they, they, they despise America as much as uh, uh, Obama did. And Biden is just a puppet. I mean, he could care less. You know, he just wants the position. And it's all about the pin and his status. Um, uh, these guys are not serving America very well at all. And, uh, you know, I sent you that article. Uh, or the clipping. I, I just had it up here. It was from Eddie Rick, Rickenbacker. Yeah, And if you don't mind, this is something that um, I think it goes to the very basics of what it takes to be an American. And it says what we owe this land. Eddie Rickenbacker, who lived from 1890 to 1973, an American fighter ace in France during World War One and a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient and later pioneer in transportation. He stated, I pray to God every night of my life. That, I can say God, right? You, you don't get banned for that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I pray to God every night of my life to be given the strength and power to continue my efforts to inspire in others the interests, the obligation, and the responsibilities that we owe to this land for the sake of future generations. For my boys and girls, that we can always look back when the candle of life burns low and say, thank God I have contributed my best of the land that contributed so much to me. I mean, that's, that's the American spirit. And that's the thing that when you look at the agenda, you look at the policies, you look at the actions of the left. And, you know, I look from FDR forward, it seemed other than maybe John Kennedy, um, the democratic presidents have weakened this nation as a constitutional Republic, as the American, we know, as the thoughts of Eddie Rickenbacker, <clears throat> they are the antithesis of that. Um, you know, and this is just, we are becoming, we are at a point now where there is going to be an inflection report uh, point where we either stay the constitutional Republic or we become the socialist States of America, the United, the U S S of a, um, and uh, you know, you brought up AOC and the squad, their whole thing is they, they're trying to create this, utopian world in the likes of uh, Nicolas Maduro's and uh, Hugo Chavez's uh, Venezuela. And socialism does not work. And we know that because the Margaret Thatcher said, eventually, you know, socialism will work until you run out of uh, other people's money. And we're at that point. And uh, there will be an adjustment. And let's just hope the conservatives that believe in this country and have the American values and the you know, hold on to our traditions that I don't want to say we win, but we, we, the other ones just come around and say, you know what? You guys were right. We were wrong. So anyways, there's an important word. And I'll turn it back over to you, boss. There's an important word in there that I really think is kind of a linchpin that is missing in much of the conversation today. It's a word Land, L-A-N-D, literally means land, the land. And, you know, certain countries 
put an adjective in front of that. The Russians call it the motherland. Yeah. Germans call it the fatherland. Right. And to me, it always made it more of the family, you know. And, of course, with us, we'd have God behind that. Yeah. You'd have country family. You'd have Christendom behind it. But now we have these people, and we mentioned TikTok, and there's a front-page story about it here we'll get into, um, who live an abstract life, Ted. They don't have any dirt under the fingernails. They don't have calluses, um, which is important, really. I mean, it it really is to the working man. But um, they live in abstract situations in cities. I don't think the word land ever crosses their lips, does it? I don't hear it. No. Um, They see land as a communal property that the government owns and controls and, um, you know, that we are caretakers of it, which we really are caretakers of it. But um, we also have the right and the ability to own land. I mean, it goes with the Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith that our founders uh, relied on so much of what that person did, Adam Smith wrote about. And, um, you know, you just you listen to the left and it's everything. Well, Obama was a perfect example of this. You know, the government created your success you know you did not create that success and and if it wasn't for the government you wouldn't do that now partially that's true because the way our government was set up with the founding fathers life liberty the pursuit of happiness and then uh, and they also talked about the right to own property and uh, obama is and and the left since him have all just said no, it's it's the government, and you should be thanking the government. And no, it's we the people that run the government. That private property, that private be. property concept, is in peril, big time, big time, and more than so than ever in my life. What TikTok shows youth about the war in Gaza, and I don't have a TikTok app. I don't know that I ever deliberately have looked at it. I probably have looked at stuff that has come through TikTok. But for me, something like that would be instantly unreliable and too flashy and splashy and instantaneous to have any depth to it. But this is what's happened to the minds. Apparently, the app here... um, begins this article. I don't know if you've seen it, but imagine your 13-year-old signs up for TikTok and while scrolling through videos, lingers on footage of explosions, rockets, and terrified families from the war in Israel and Gaza. Your child doesn't search or follow any accounts, but just pausing on videos about the conflicts leads the app to start serving up more war-related content. and Boy, they sure do, don't they? Yeah. And I've not read this article. I'm just reading into it. And I've not really engaged with TikTok. But I guess as part of the research, um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, download the app and and, uh, wander around in it for a while. I don't have, to my knowledge anyway, 
TikTok account. I think the production guys years ago gave me an Instagram, which I never go to, probably should, but don't, uh, got kicked off at YouTube, you know, as you know, for being um, uh, controversial about fraud. So um, isn't it curious, though? Apparently, TikTok isn't censored. Huh? You know, that is amazing because it's completely controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And the stuff they put out there, you know, if you if you go back and it's still going on out there, they had that whole movement, quiet quitting, where they were encouraging people to quit their jobs. And, um, you know, what's the benefit of our country? Well, it weakens our country, grows the welfare programs. And, um, you know, this is all by design. And people that are using TikTok, you're supporting communist country. I don't know how that it's by. I mean, who? Well, that's a whole other discussion, I guess, with Congress. But uh, who in the world is going to? I'm not for censorship necessarily. I'm for education and taste. Um, if you want to go get a uh, cheeseburger at a, a lousy cheeseburger place and not go to a good cheeseburger place, that's okay. That's your business. And uh, you might like the lousy ones, but what's lousy to you might be uh, great to me and vice versa. But I don't think that, uh, um, you know, we, we uh, do that. And where we really have done it improperly is with diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's turning out, Ted as we've always suspected that those of us in the education world who were, I was an outsider, as you might imagine, to, to the group that ran the institution. But um, there's all kinds of anti-American conversations been planted in the education, particularly universities, since the 30s. Oh, yeah. It's the 30s. You know, it really has. It really has. And, you know, if you forget your past, you're going to repeat it. And we're at that point where there's so many Americans that don't remember or never really took it upon themselves to learn our past. Um, You know, you're going to repeat it. And it is building up. Uh, It's coming to a head. You know, I don't don't want to be always the doomsayer, doomsday um, uh, person. But there's just so many things that are going on. You know, you look at our debt. You look at what China's doing. Look at what Russia's doing. You look at what Cuba and China are doing and Iran and all these other countries. I mean, you've got our U.S. Navy. I read yesterday that the U.S. Navy is uh, fending off Houthi attacks from Yemen and other areas daily. You know, and we're spending a lot of military, you know, uh, assets, you know, missiles and things like that. And just wearing down our um, ability to protect ourselves. And this is going on every day. Um, And um, to the point now where India is starting to get involved because these things are happening off their coast, too. And, um, you know, that's where our Congress should really be focusing on. And I say triage things. And you've heard me say this before. Worry about our debt. Worry about what China's doing. Secure our border. You know, I think it just ought to be closed for a period of time until we can get a handle on who's here and get a, uh, an accounting of who's here, who these people are. And you heard the report out of TSA. They're flying 
unnamed people that are immigrants that have come into this country illegally. They get on a TSA flight and they'll say no name passenger. So they don't even know who these people are because they have no identification. But yet you and I can't get on there unless we have a government issued uh, driver's license number, the official one. And we can't get in there. And, you know, they, they do the retinal scans. They look at you and all that. Uh, but they're flying people that come into this country illegally around the country at my expense, at your expense, at the taxpayer's expense. This is all stuff that needs to stop. And, um, you know, uh, you and I have talked about all the meetings they have up there in Washington. Stop them. Stop those meetings. Focus on this and focus on the next election and the, the proper rules that we should be following. You know, get rid of the extended mail-in ballots. Get rid of mail-in ballots altogether like all the other developed countries have learned that, that that's what you have to do. And we got a headline here that we talked about, too. I'd like to get your comments on this. The Pentagon and China have restored military dialogue. To me, that means that China is playing us again. Uh, as long as they're talking to us, sure, um, they're getting away with what they want to do. Right. Um, I had met with uh, one of our assistant secretary of states when I was in office, David Stilwell. And he says, whatever the Chinese tell you, if the, the communists tell you, it's a lie. Because Xi Jinping, I think it was a team and Obama had asked them what they were doing in the South China Sea with these islands. Uh, they were edging up coral reefs. They were doing acres of coral reefs to take the, the soil and create these land masses. And uh, he says, oh, they're all for peaceful navigational purposes. They militarize. Well, Uh, we're losing him. We'll get him back here. He's in uh, outside his newly constructed home there in Weewaka, which has got a leak in the foundation of the plumbers uh, plantation yeah. mark. You appreciate that, Ted. I was just explaining to plantation mark. What was that? I was explaining to plantation mark that the plumbers are leak are looking for the leak. Who the leak at? Where the leak is in your house? Oh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they'll find it late um, next week and drive ball right after that. So they're moving on well. But, you know, you brought up the, the China connection again, and this is really where our government and the people in government that elect would really be focusing on this. And it sounds like a broken record every week that you and I are on. And we really need action. We need to hold these people accountable. I've got a guy that wants me to support wants me to support him, and he's running against a incumbent Republican. He's just, he just stays whatever leadership tells him does. Instead of questioning, why are we raising the debt ceiling again? Why don't we have our 12 appropriations out? You know, why do we go into these CRs? If we did our work, we wouldn't do that. And then we could start getting ahead of problems here, or at least recognize them and set a game plan for future Congresses to follow. And, um, you know, so this guy is wanting my endorsement, and I've got to know, do I endorse somebody who says that they'll go in there and do these things? 
in a hard way or do I protect my friend and don't endorse them? And I got thinking, it's not about friendship. It's not about, yeah, I like this guy and I can still like him even. country to where we're at. Uh, we're losing quite a bit, Ted. Um, we've got about five minutes before the break. I'm going to ask Zach if uh, it would be better if you called in. Um, I'll just call in. Yeah, what, what we'll do is take a break a little bit early, Ted. Do you have the call-in number? Do we need to give it to him, Zach? I've got it. He's got it. Okay, he'll call in. Let's do that, Ted. We're going to break for My a My apologies. Uh, you can't help it. It's out there. Yeah, you're you're in the so I'll break right now for the weather and come back on the phone with you. Talking with Ted Young, right. who's having a little break up on the internet. Uh, and we'll be right back in a moment with Ward's weather. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. All right, coach. Last year, the best party in Gator Nation was a Spurrier's Bison's Rooftop. But now, we're in 23, we're celebrating this year. What the restaurant has planned for this year, New Year's Eve? That's right. We got usual great food here at Spurrier's. We got wonderful music, and it's the best way to ring in 2024. It's going to be Advisor's Rooftop Bar from 7 through midnight to about 1 a.m. We got elevated hors d'oeuvres. We got sparkling wine pairings. We're going to dance to the DJ Elio here. All through the night, got to be 21 and older, but the tickets are going fast. And so how much are the tickets for? The Visor Party tickets are $125 a piece, and trust me, you'll get your money's worth. Now, Coach, where can we purchase the ticket? You can purchase the tickets at www.spurriers.com. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Gas Station, Fossil Fuel. I got a little couple of stories about fossil fuel, by the way, here in the Weather Report. Now, we got kind of a mild day here in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country. 60s mile up into the 70s mile, and some cold weather coming our way. Um, cold, we mean cold enough to put a jacket on, I maybe have you a little fire in a fireplace, but we're not going to freeze and bust pipes. But you know, you speak of cold. As far last time I checked, China, which Ted and I were just talking about, is a part of the world, right? I mean, it is in the world, and all we ever hear about is climate change, global warming. Did you know, and I have no reason to doubt this, Beijing recorded its longest cold wave since records began in 1951. And remember that, please, by the way. The records only go back to 1951. Now, what happened the temperature recorded at Beijing's Nayao weather station rose to above zero degrees Sunday afternoon for the first time, well, in a long, long time. It has uh, been below zero for more than 300 hours. It's China's central province has seen multiple system failures. This is a strong cold wave that pushed through most of China this month, and it brought the heating capacity of the cities in northern China to their limits. And they had many, many system failures. Now, that is interesting to me because I just thought we were under siege from global warming. The other part of this story that is not China, but it's South America. I want to bring Ted in on this because Argentina has an oil boom. And the Wall Street Journal has a big article about it, how it's going to bring them out of their economic malaise. And this thing is going to, of course, China and Russia are already making friends with them. Meanwhile, we're up there being duped, I think, by hollering, hey, the world is going to, you know, where in a handbasket. So the southern hemisphere of this globe is yet to do its pioneering. And South America is going to be where it occurs. Any thoughts on that, Ted? 
No, I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, if you look at China and you look at the reserves of coal that they have, not just from their own country, which they're limited, but they're buying it by the train loads from Mongolia. They've got like 10 years of coal already mined just stacked on the ground. You know, that's how committed they are to climate change. You know, they're going to burn coal into the way into the future. And they're building a coal-powered fire plant somewhere in the world. Uh, one a week is going online. And Argentina and Chile, uh, uh, you know, and you can throw in there uh, Brazil right now and Venezuela, they're all aligned with China. Uh, and all this comes back to our poor, poor foreign policy. And, um, you know, China is winning on this front to draw these nations to them. And, they're, of course, what you brought up with Argentina, they're going to uh, rely on fossil fuels, as we all do and we all should. And you brought up AOC, you know, when she was saying, well, just just you brought her up. But she, I remember her saying that she hopes gas goes to 10 or $12 a gallon and John Kerry and all those climate nuts uh, said the same thing. And you're talking about, are they out of step with reality? Absolutely, because they live in, in the Bronx or the Queens in New York. And Kerry just, you know, he's uh, in a world of his own. They don't fight the traffic. They don't have to get in their car and drive 30 miles for a job. You know, and if gas goes to 10 to $15 a gallon, the average worker in America could not afford, uh, afford to go to work. And so, you know, we need to, we, we rely on fossil fuels. We need to rely on um, reasonably priced fossil fuels. You know, it's reasonably meaning the oil companies make money, the vendors make money, but yet it's not restrictive for the American people to drive around. And, um, you know, if you look over time, Technology's gotten better. You know, government's helped a little bit pushing um, uh, mandates on mileage, you know, compared to when we, you and I grew up. You know, cars got 8 to 10 miles to the gallon. And today I've got an, uh, an expedition, you know, it's the big one, and it gets 19 to 20 miles a gallon. You know, that was unheard of when we grew up. And so with technology, we are going to get better and that we should have a common sense transition to a better fuel source. And, you know, the entrepreneur, the engineers, the scientists will figure these things out. And I think it's going to be hydrogen, to be honest with you. It's not going to be solar. It's not going to be wind. They're always going to be out there. They're always going to be supplemental, but they will not be baseline energy. And then you'll have small nuclear reactors, you know, around the country that will provide the majority of electricity for people. Well, use a phrase I never hear the left use, common sense. Um <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I never Common heard. sense is not common. If it was, everybody'd have it. That's right. Common sense is not common. Well, it's yeah. uh I you know, th these stories are obvious. Why aren't they obvious to the people who are wanting the world to conform to their particular marching orders? It's uh, always bewilders me. And Gainesville is a perfect example. Gainesville, under the leadership of the progressive left, fell hook, line, and sinker, as you know, for the whole burning, what were we burning? I don't know. Trees. Uh, all the wood chips. Uh, Biomass. The whole thing bottomed up. Um, there were 
taking all this money from utilities to really bleed the utilities down and make them, I think, they had a secret agenda. You don't see them talked about much. But if they run up the utilities cost, then there'll be less use of the utility, and that would result in us having to go to alternative source. I really believe the progressive left, quote-unquote, leadership in Gainesville had that as kind of a hidden agenda. They wanted to deliberately drive it up. Now, they had a little political challenge with the black folk who were just unable to burn the lights in their house. So every once in a while, they'd give them a different rate meter. It wouldn't be very effective. It wouldn't make much difference. And they kept that going until finally, you know, we had to transfer the power of taking care of that utility out of the hands of those progressive left leaders. Or I don't think they would have ever changed it. This is, to me, a... No, they wouldn't have. Craig Carter, you know, deserves deserves a lot of the credit for that. You know, he's kind of led that along with the other people that helped him. Um, no, and the, the Gainesville Commission has been using that for a piggy bank. And that was something that with GRU, when we moved to Gainesville in 77, I think it was, we we learned about GRU and we found out, I mean, it was just a fight year after year that they're inept. They didn't know how to manage it. And it was used for um, a slush fund, basically. And it was all proven to be true, but that was since 77 till now, it took to change that. And, you know, this whole thing with global warming, if it, yeah, I mean, it's a warm winter right now, uh, historically, and it's that way up north, but they'll have their averages. You know, it's like looking at the stock market. You can't look at just a day on the stock market and say, oh, look how terrible things are. You can look at the trends. And I was reading an article this morning about, a, um, a village over in um, England that had a coastal storm and the people go out there and walk along the coast to assess that. And they found these burial mounds that are under the, <laughs> under the, the shoreline that the, the storm washed away. So there were people living there 2,500, 3,000 years ago. So that means the ocean was further down uh, at a lower level than it is today. And so the earth is always changing. And I think the smart thing is we should be like insects and just learn to adapt, move to higher grounds, get a bigger tree, climb a tree, or, you know, just adapt. And if things are warmer, you know, be happy because we're using less fuel to heat. And uh, you're talking about the people in Gainesville, you know, the lower income people, how it was hurting them. But Keep in mind, government has programs through the USDA, through uh, uh, the Housing uh, Association, um, the Department up there of Housing and Family, uh, <clears throat> where they do supplemental uh, payments for uh, low-income people on their electric and uh, utility bills. So this is something at the federal level and the state level. So they're taking care of people that can't afford that. But again, it's government picking winners and losers. And so they're always going to take care of that group. And this goes back to what you're saying about the student loans. They're buying votes. They're not fixing problems. They're buying votes to stay in power. And, and their ultimate goal is to change the shape of America. And we're seeing that. We're living in it. <laughs> if you really wanted to study how to make it blow up, Gaines will be the place to do it. And it seems to me it's a yeah. What you got going on internationally? 
because the Gainesville people wanted to be known as way out ahead of everybody else, went to Europe to thump themselves on the chest, you know, all this business. So they were trying to tie in. I guess it goes back to the UN. I, 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 it, it does. It doesn't. Does it? Yeah, uh, Gainesville's a uh, um, Agenda Twenty One city, and uh, you know, people need to look that up. It's it follows the UN agenda. They're right in there with the uh, Sustainable Development Goals (SDG) goal that we talked about before. There's 17 goals, and Gainesville's right in there. I mean, they're a proud uh, a proud member of that, and these are all insidious things that are going on behind the scenes that people don't know. But it's changing how our future will be in the near future. And it's an onslaught of an attack in so many different areas that are coming. And I was reading an article in The Guardian, which is a very liberal paper out of England. And uh, they're attacking Mike Johnson, you know, the speaker, the new speaker of the House. And they're writing an article. In fact, it says House Speaker, House Speaker's Christian Nationalist. I spark First Amendment fears. Um, and this historian, and I find this rather interesting, and the historian goes on because it says, uh, let me see where. It says Mike Johnson has uh, been associated with um, uh, Joe Barton, who is a Christian nationalist, and he's the one that uh, started the uh, wall builders. And... Um, you know, Johnson's been a member of that. I've been to some of those meetings. And that they, what they promote is family, traditional family values and Christianity. And they go on to say that um, uh, this, this historian, Randall Balmer, a Dartmouth historian of religion, of religion, he is scared to death because he talks about Johnson has bought into the malignant cancer about America being a Christian nation. Um, a malignant cancer that he's talking about Johnson having that belief that we're a Christian nation. Well, anybody that's a historian and goes back and reads, you know, why did the pilgrims come here? Why, why did they leave England? You know, and they're saying that Johnson wants to establish um, um, uh, government related and working with, with church. And he's saying that uh, he's subverting the first amendment. Uh, both my, he's dishonest and he's myoptic dishonest because the founders were abundantly clear that they intended church and state to be separate entities and myopic because the lack of a religious establishment, the separation of church and state has been the best friend that religion ever had. And, you know, if this guy were to go back and read what the founder said, especially James Madison, how they put in there, they never intended to have our government being involved in church, but they were afraid that we would become what England was and had a state religion that the English government was in charge of the church of England or the church of England controlled the government. And our founders were very clear that they wanted that separation between state and, and religion. But yet they all talk, they, our founders all talk about the religious um, the, the values and the Christianity values that founded this nation. And for this guy to be a Dartmouth historian and can argue against that, and he has probably tenure and he gets all this this money for writing this kind of garbage. And he's talking about Mike Johnson being myopic. You know, in, in ophthalmologies, there's myopic, 
there's myopic, and in veterinary medicine, there's an, another one. Um, the first two are uh, nearsighted, farsighted, and in veterinary medicine, there's another one called fecalopia. And it means you got fecal material in your eyes and you can't see <laughs> for, for that S-H-I-T word. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, the separation of church and state is what we're talking about, right? And right. the one of the ways I heard it said by somebody who lamented the loss of the influence of Christianity was that when you merge religion with the state, state becomes your religion. And that's what has happened to us. And that's why well, look, at what, look at what they've done. Look at what they've done with climate change. They have right. created that as a religion, and the state is control of that. Right. So the state is the church now. And uh, the salvation of your soul and your character is, is the religious issue. You go to your ministry, you go to your church, you go to that through your private family behaviors with your community. That's your personal, my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were tremendously involved with giving things away. I mean, I never, they measured their wealth, not in what they accumulated and hoarded, but what they gave away. You, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah, that's a great that's they weren't biblical. Take, yeah, they weren't going to take it with them. See, give it away and you make yeah. somebody feel good. Now the state gives it away. <laughs> it, it gives away yours and mine to people who don't have it coming, of all things, to right. make it worse. Well, you know, you look at the biblical principles, you look at our founders. The thing that is, and, and this is true for all societies, the, the thing that is the basic building block of a society is the family union, unit, you know, husband, father, mother, you know, and children, and that unit takes care of itself. And then those build communities and the communities take care of themselves and so on and so forth. And so you look at religion builds strong family units. Government is dividing those. Modern-day American government is dividing those, you know, because they're telling Johnny he can be Joni and Susie can oh, be wow. Sam. And, and and so they're tearing the the family unit apart. And this really went on steroids with the Democrat social programs under um, uh, Lyndon Johnson. They tore the family apart, and you and I have talked about this. Um, prior to Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society, um, 75% of blacks were born in wedlock. There was a father in the community, but with the social programs that people uh, learned how to work and have more benefit by having a single parent household, that it tore these families apart. And I forget what the number is now, but it's like 15% or 20% of the, of uh, minorities, uh, African Americans have a, a two parent household. And that number may be wrong. So somebody can correct me on that. But the idea is we went from a high percentage of a husband and father to a low percentage. And a lot of this is attributed to the great society of Lyndon Johnson and the Democrats. And the Democrats, if you look historically in America, 
the ones that have divided this country, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, the, um, uh, the Jim Crow laws, all these things, uh, the poll tax, all these things that they blame uh, Republicans for, these are all Democratic issues, but they learn to change the narrative and say the, the Republicans are racist. They're trying to um, prevent you from uh, voting. No, it's the Democrats that did this. And really, that, that organization ought to be outlawed in its current state. And, of course, then we start looking like um, some of these other dictatorial countries that outlaws a party. But I think in this case in America, with what they are doing to American values and um, uh, the, the social issues, they really are anti-American. And, um, you know, I think that should be looked at. In fact, Louis Gohmert, when I was in Congress, he's a congressman out of Texas, um, really outspoken. He had a bill to outlaw the Democratic Party. And it, it was kind of funny when I, I saw it. I'm like, oh, that's just Louis again. But when you read it, he talks about all these things, the Jim Crow laws, the KKK, and, you know, they were against the family and they're against American traditional values. And I think you spot on. Uh, well, uh, I just, that uh, bill didn't go anywhere. I'm looking at my computer here and I think it just came, just came out. The Michigan Supreme Court has declined to remove Trump from the state's 2024 ballot. And um, thank God for that. Uh, so now you've got the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Trump was ineligible. And you also have, if I'm not mistaken, California, um, but not Michigan. Um, That's pivotal if Michigan did not do that. Um, if that fell to me, if they did that, these other states would have, you know, that that would have cascaded. And um, the good thing is Trump wasn't going to win California and he wasn't going to win Colorado. Um, but I think that's going to push people his way in those states. Yeah, the Michigan Supreme Court. conservative ways. The, the court wrote that it was, quote, not persuaded that the questions presented should be reviewed by this court. Right. Well, good for them. You know, I was looking over, and I went over this before the uh, break for Christmas after, I think on a Thursday or Friday after our show a week ago. And you might want to go back and look at this. Uh, I've been thinking this existed, and I found it. It's in Senate.gov, and it's the Senate record of how the Civil War began. And this is kind of, I would recommend, I'm going to try to send you the link, although I think it's pretty easy to find. Um, this argument had been going on for a long time, about six months before we get into the April 12 shot at Sumter. Um, it really begins before even Lincoln comes in um, on November 6, 1860. And it runs, let's see what the last date is here. Lincoln takes office March 4th, 1861. Now, how many months is that? That's a good six months, isn't it? And yeah. I, I, the, the parallels of that time frame struck me as very similar to what we got going on right now 
with this argument about Trump on the Supreme Court uh, on on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And then about the same six months, isn't it about it? Just about. Um, yeah, about is. You know, it is. It's eerie. You know, again, history repeats itself if you don't learn from it. And you know, um, I think Zach said it. The the tragedy uh, was the word he, he he threw out there that I was looking for. The tragedy of human beings or of mankind is we we just have this constant conflict going on that we have to have to survive, it seems like. And we really shouldn't. We should get beyond this and, and look at what we can do as Americans to lead the world. Not that we our goal is to lead the world, but we would lead it um, by default if we just focus on building this as a better, uh, stronger country and making it more prosperous and uh, um, more opportunity for future generations. Other countries will follow suit. And uh, again, it goes back to the foreign policies we have that have been a disaster, um, and we need to get away from that. It's interesting how Michigan doesn't even mention the word, and Ken Hillier uh, points this out on the chat line, doesn't even mention the word insurrection. Doesn't even, and yet Colorado right. hangs its whole opinion on that word. Yeah. I mean, come on. <clears throat> Why? You know, no, I think you're right on that. And, you know, Colorado overstepped on that because nobody's called it an insurrection or proven it as an insurrection. And, and I think if you look at the definitions of that, it's an overthrow of the government or the attempt. And Trump wasn't trying to do that. I mean, it just it was disdain for a a um, a voting process that wasn't up to snuff. It, it it wasn't run properly and it created enough doubt where people just didn't accept the results. And um if the if our leaders in Congress or the representatives, I'll use I don't want to use leaders, the representatives in Congress don't attack the voting bills that Pelosi and the Democrats ran through. And if we and your listeners don't get involved at the local level to make sure these elections are run fair, it's gonna get worse. <clears throat> it's so hard. You know, we discovered all this voter beep here locally on the Word Scott files. We discovered. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did essentially the job of the supervisors of elections, Ted. They just sat, right, on, right. They sat on their hands. They didn't look. Unless it jumped out at them, they didn't mess with it. And I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have much truck, as they say, um, with these supervisors. I don't see where they do much bird-dogging. You know what I mean? Right, and they should be, that should be a nonpartisan issue um, or position. You know, you're there to make sure the elections are run fairly, not to promote a party or to support a party. Um, but unfortunately, they they just follow party lines. And they're going to support one party over the other, especially on the liberal progressives. I think you're Republicans. Um, there's been fraud on that side, too. But I think what you'll see there is uh, they do a more balanced job, you know, overall. If you were to grade them all, you're going to find more on that side than on the Democrat side. Because I've talked to a lot of the supervisors of elections in my district. And, you know, you can just tell by talking to them that they want fair, open, free elections. You know, the outcome is up to the voter, but they want to make sure the process is done properly. 
Well, the Republican supervisors actually returned, in many cases, most cases that we looked at, Zuckerbucks. The Democrats took yeah. it. Sure. I mean, that, that... That played heavily in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, that... That played real heavy in the outcome in Wisconsin. And again, Wisconsin was one of those states that stopped counting uh, with the other five. And it changed the, the, the numbers change overnight. A miracle. It was just amazing how all six of those states went from Trump leading to Trump losing in a short period of time. Well, I guess we got about three or four minutes left. How do you see the election coming up? You see it, Trump. And uh, I know you come out for him and... Um, Who's the VP coming on? I don't know. I've not heard. Um, I've not heard any talk on that. I hope it's somebody, uh, not a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a um, Nikki Haley. Nothing against them personally, other than uh, you got to think they're uh, next in line if something were to happen to Trump. And I think it's somebody rational, like a Mike Pompeo, or um, you know, something that would just not be bent by the political winds that they would stand strong on their own merit. Well, the other person who's just, I think, totally discredited herself now is the Cheney woman. I got that right, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Along, she uh, Liz Cheney has shown her true colors, and oh, you and, and I talked about it. And who? Romney? Romney. Yeah. <laughs> Or admit. Um, now, the best thing he did is announce he's not running for re-election. But Liz Cheney, had she not shown her true colors after the January 6th or before January 6th, she would be Speaker of the House. And that is a very scary thought. Because she's right in there with the Democrats or the party of big government. She's, she is the party of big government with her dad and the group behind her. Um. And she has disgraced herself, and hopefully she'll never be back in politics. Well, Ted, thanks for tuning in today, and uh, uh, we're right yes, back on the wire, and we'll talk to you in a week. And wonderful Wednesday with Ted Yoho, and uh, hopefully they find that same here, buddy. And uh, take care, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you soon again. And thank you for all your listeners, all, all right. your listeners who have tuned in and supported us. Uh, we appreciate you here on the Ward Scott Files, Warthog Command Center. Sure do. Have a happy new year. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.